Welcome to Funding the Dream, the number one podcast for the number one crowdfunding platform, Kickstarter. Now here's your host, Richard Bliss. Before we turn to our guest, I wanted to just take a moment to say thank you to those recent Patreon backers. That's particularly Dungeons and Randomness, Kyle Sussenbach, Vindexus, and uh, Lake uh, Leafly, uh, Gamer Leaf, um, as he's known. These four individuals this week became new Patreon backers, and I certainly appreciate it. And thank you for making it possible to keep the inspiration going. Uh, and to those who have been backers for a long time, Brian, Albert, and there's a whole bunch of you. Jonathan, thank you very much for the years of dedicated support as the show has continued to grow and evolve. And I appreciate all of the support from all our backers as we continue to find a new audience and bring new content. And speaking of new content, tell you what, let's go back to our regular scheduled programming. Welcome to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter. I'm Richard Bliss, the host. This episode that you're listening to is also being uh, simultaneously videotaped. And if you're a Patreon backer, you'll be able to watch it. If you'd like to, you can watch the video. Or it'll be available on my YouTube channel long after uh, the Patreon backers have had a chance to enjoy it. My guest today is someone who has been on the show almost since the beginning with a variety of their projects over the years, uh, and it's always been a pleasure to uh, have him on the show. I'm joined by Robert Burke from Robert Burke Games. Robert, thanks for joining me. Hey, thanks for having me, Richard. Good to see you. It's good to see you, too. It has been a little while. I think the last one was Battle of Souls. Yeah, Battle for Souls was a while ago. I don't know. I I did a second edition on Kickstarter since the first one when I talked to you last, I think. Yeah, I think we did Battle of Souls was the first one that we've done. Now, you have a Kickstarter. We're going to talk about your Kickstarter project, and we're going to talk about some of the lessons that you've learned. Uh, This is uh, Silver River is what it's called, right? Yes, the Silver River, a 4X game. A 4X game. It's going live on Kickstarter. Is it at the time of this recording? Is it live now, or is it going to go live? It is live right now. It's live until April 5th, and it's about mm, a little over 90% funded. Okay. April 5th. So we got a couple of weeks from the time of this recording. We'll get the episode out so people can watch that. Now, I'm interested because this is your, how many Kickstarter projects? This is my 20th Kickstarter. Holy cow. And when we started, we met your first one. Was it Cartuna, your first one? It was. Yeah, we're like the original pioneers of the Kickstarter we, thing. We are, because I had Car- <laughs> Cartuna was in my home. My daughter, who's now 14, uh, enjoyed that game as a young child and uh, was thrilled. And, I, and that's how we got to know each other, is that I think I reached out to you based on that game. And then uh, as time has gone on, 20 Kickstarter campaigns. Uh, do you have an idea how much money you've raised in that amount of time? Oh my goodness! No, I have. I should add it up. I don't know. Um, I really don't know. If you added it up, would it, would it be enough to actually make you quit your day job? No, <laughs> no. <laughs> now a lot of people have found the opportunity to quit your day job. Where do you find the time? Well, hang on. Let's just do it back up. How many Robert Burke games are out in the marketplace? Oh, I think I've got twelve now. Okay. That are in the marketplace between ones that I published myself and then ones I published through regular publishers outside of Kickstarter, just direct to publishing. And one of those is Operation Faust, which I enjoyed. A, uh, it's kind of like the Monument Man right time period, right? World War II, uh, outracing the Nazis to find uh, rare works of art that they had um, hoarded. And uh, you and I got to act, well, not you and I, you obviously did, but I had the pleasure of playtesting that before it went uh, to production. 
Yeah, that was a fun time. You kind of showed me some things that I needed to fix, if I remember correctly, that I resisted at first. Yeah, you did resist. Uh, and, and, I'll just, and just so you know, I think that's the last time I playtested a game, just so you know. <laughs> because I realized I do not like playtesting. Um, there's a playtesting group here in the Bay Area. Jerry Command, Jeremy Commander, who's on the show often, uh, does it. It meets the second Thursday of every uh, month. As a great group of people that come together. I've taken a friend or two there, and I realized that, that I have no interest in helping. I enjoyed it thoroughly when we did it in uh, when I came out to North Carolina years ago, but it is not my thing. I, I just got to wonder, how do you start the process? As you start to get ready to think about putting a game on Kickstarter or designing a new game, where does that come from? It, it comes from first the idea for the game, right? And sometimes if it's a game that uh, is really kind of close to something I'm very, very passionate about, I'll want to do it on my own. So I have full control of everything. When I publish through a publisher, a lot of the times it's a game that I think would definitely benefit from having a publisher take it and refine it and put it out on the marketplace. But when it's something that's really kind of like something very special to me, I want to control every aspect of it. And that's usually the ones I do on Kickstarter myself. And, and so uh, the one that's currently running, the Silver River, that must be, that's a passionate uh, project. Yeah. Yeah. So Forex games are probably my favorite. My favorite board game is definitely TI3 or TI4. Uh, but before that, the original Masters of Orion video game really got me hooked on Forex games from the beginning. That whole idea of expanding in a galaxy with a with an alien race and building a civilization and having this kind of open world sandbox where everything is involved, politics, technology, civilization building, economies, you know, everything is there. And I've been wanting to do a 4X game that I could play in two hours that gave me that rich experience because I didn't see any in the market. I think a lot of games have tried and have come within two hours, but it was always missing something for me. And I have a good friend, Nate Bivens. Uh, I think you know Nate yep, Bivens Nate. as well. Yep, I do. <laughs> So he's very passionate about 4X2, and we love to play them, and we never get them to the table, maybe once or twice a year because they're so long. So we said, you know what? We're going to make one. We're going to make one for ourselves. We're going to make the game we want that includes everything we love about 4X games, but we're going to be able to play it in two hours. So every design decision we made, we always ask that, that critical question, does it speed up the game? The, ha the answer had to be yes every step of the way through the whole process. So that's how this one started. And uh, Masters of Ryan, I wasted many uh, hours of my youth playing that game. I, I'm not going to say wasted because looking back, there's only a couple of games. Age of Empires yep. and then Masters of Orion were probably the two games that identified clearly. I don't play video games as an adult, but those were the games I played uh, when I was a, a young person. And then I was going to tell you that I got involved with 4X games in the late 70s because my mother was going to the university to get her degree, and I was in high school, and she would take me along at night. She went to night school, and I'd get to sit on the computers. This is in the late 70s, and we played a 4X space game that was based on the Star Trek universe, uh, That, but it didn't have... You had to refresh your screen to see everything move. So everything was in line art on the screen, oh, wow. and it was only two-dimensional. But you were 
colonizing planets, bombing planets, different races. And when you joined, you got assigned to a race, and then that would be part of your team. And you're out there doing all of that Forex stuff. Uh, and that was in the 70s that I was on the internet playing wow. these games with people all over the world, uh, which is kind of how makes me how old I am that I was able to do that uh, in high school in the 70s. Tell me, what makes a Forex game so difficult to design in time? Because that's your main constraint. Yeah, I I think we found there was a, a couple things. One is, well, a few things. One is that all the decisions and pathways that you have in a Forex game leads to a good deal of AP. So in the Silver River, we 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 kind of solve that with simultaneous production and then production allocation, and that drives your actions. So players do that at the same time. Uh, also, there's this slow buildup in Forex games where you start with basically nothing and have to build yourself up, right? And there's that kind of long slog in the beginning until you get your engine going. We kind of solve that by, you know, you're starting with some cool stuff right off the bat to, to get going. Uh, that's part of it as well. Uh, in games like uh, like Twilight Imperium, there's this there's this propensity to want to delay because you want to be able to wait until everybody goes out and around so that you can then act freely and other players won't be able to respond to you because they have already passed, right? So that's I think one of the big things that makes a game like you know TI3 so long we kind of turn that on its head to reward players for finishing a turn early. When you finish a turn, you start going up on this domestic investment track and it represents kind of investing in your own empire at home domestically like you're putting uh you're investing in the arts or education or infrastructure or social programs and every turn it comes back to you while everybody stays in and you've gone out, you're going to gain some one-time benefit every single time so that kind of puts pressure on the other players through the gameplay say i, I gotta hurry up we gotta finish this round or he's gonna keep getting stuff for free so that was a kind of unique okay. thing that nate came up with uh, that speeds it up as well i think that's a great that's a great idea uh what when we're doing a, a forex game oh, first of all let's explain to the audience most of them who are gamers will know what's a forex game what does that mean <laughs> Well, Forex stands for. Uh, there's. Uh, I'll go through it. It, it stands for um, uh, explore, right? Usually, that means you're exploring other planets to find out if they're habitable and discover things. Um, you are exploiting those planets for resources and building an economy. That's the exploit. That's the second X. Um, then there is an expand, uh, which is actually the second X. Exploit is the third. Expand is you know spreading across the galaxy you're colonizing more and more planets and increasing your influence and then finally is exterminate uh where you can go to war against other races in the galaxy and exterminate them if you so choose so all of those are included in this game and in, in big ways you do not have to exterminate though it's always up to you whether you go to war or not you might choose not to go to war ever and you can still win the game. There's lots of different paths you can take, but all four X's are represented. Got it. All right. And then this is something that you've been able to do. What's, is there something different about this Kickstarter that you've done than in the past? Um, well, this is definitely the biggest Kickstarter I've ever done. What's your definition? And, what do you mean by that? Just the uh, it, 
it's the biggest amount of work <laughs> is what I mean that that has gone into it. And it's definitely the biggest game I've ever made as well. Uh, it's been, you know, in testing for two years now. So a lot of time has been spent on the gameplay. Um, I do think I've learned every time I do a Kickstarter, I learn some things and Kickstarter has changed even since my last one. Uh, kick people who are backing projects on Kickstarter now, it's not like it used to be. They expect a finished thing, right? They want to see a game that is completely done, graphic design, all the 3D rendering show exactly what they're going to get. Uh, that's the expectation now. Um, and this, you know, I did this like all my previous ones where I still had graphic design left to do. The game was done uh, from a playability standpoint. Um, but I think that hurt me a little bit too i've got a lot of feedback like that graphic design is horrible well it's not done yet you know uh so we're working fast right now to try and get that stuff in front of people look so that they can see hey we're working on this right and it's going to be complete and beautiful uh before it's manufactured so you know we spent so much time on the gameplay and when it was finally ready we were very excited to get it out there but I think today you got to go the extra, extra step and have a finished a finished thing uh, before you put it up there to really maximize the audience that's on Kickstarter now. Well, I've also noticed on your stretch goals, you've done, I, I don't know if it's unique because I haven't been paying attention, but some of your stretch goals are time-based, not just uh, milestone-based, but time-based. Yeah, that, that was an idea I just got from, from Jamie's blog, right? of course. Uh, yep, he's got great ideas and... Uh, he just had a blog that was talking about the importance of funding in the first 48 hours. Yeah, I saw that. You fund in the first – once a project is funded, everybody's like, wow, that funded fast. What is it? So it brings more attention. Then you start hitting stretch goals, and it drives that kind of loop, right, that positive loop that gets people excited and drives it higher and higher. So I read that. Unfortunately, I read that blog after my project had already launched. <laughs> Um, where it was, you know, he has a stretch goal. You launch the project with a stretch goal that says, if we fund in the first 48 hours, everybody gets this stretch goal. We add this to the game. And I thought that was a brilliant idea. Way better, in my opinion, than doing like an early bird where people miss it and then they're mad because they missed it. Right. right. Yeah. yeah so he does I, not, he I does just not like the, early birds. That's for sure. Yeah. And I, I agree with him on that because people get upset and I've had a lot of I've done them in the past and I've got a lot of angry emails about them. So I don't do early birds anymore either. Uh, but this was very interesting to me. We were getting closer and I was like, why? It doesn't have to be at the start. I could do it right now. I could say, hey, look, we're very close. If we can break through our funding goal in the next 48 hours, then I'm going to take this $100,000 stretch goal and we're going to get it right from the start if we do this timed base uh, uh, funding stretch goal. So the Flash one, funding stretch goal is what it was called. Flash funding goal. And yeah. I see that you've got Munrod, the Unforgiving Mini, and cards. And so if you don't hit the goal in time, because you've got, uh, let's see, what we got till tomorrow to hit this funding goal, right? Um, what do you do then with that uh, with that goal? Does it move back down to the hundred thousand, or does it uh, just yeah, go away? Yeah, yeah, no. Then I'll I'll have to I'll put him back in where he was. Uh, maybe ask the backers if they want him higher up. Maybe move him around or something. There's been a lot of feedback that people really want the recessed boards to track their fleets 
in the game. Um, that's a stretch goal right now, uh, but people want that first. So I think I'm going to move that definitely up and make that sooner in the list when they hit it. Uh, the other ones, you know, I'll look for feedback from people on which ones they want to add, which ones they would like to have the most, and then I can kind of rearrange them based on that. But I'm kind of nervous if we don't hit it. People, some people will be upset, and I might have to hide and not look at my Kickstarter for a few days. Well, <laughs> Kickstarter, people upset, that seems to go hand in hand. I mean, come on. That's yeah. just, okay, so I have not backed this yet. I was waiting for this episode, so I want to back your campaign live here on the show. Uh, and one, I'm a 4X fan. Two, I'm a Robert Burke uh, Games fan. And three, uh, you've just been a great uh, supporter of the show over the years. Which level should I back it at? Um, it depends. If you just want to play the game, the $69 level gets you the game and all the stretch goals. If you think you're going to play it often with more than four people, with five people, and and or you want the extra fancy bling, like the extra miniatures and stuff for the ships and the trade stations, then the $99 gets level gets you uh, all the, the two extra races. It gets you all the extra plastic pieces and it gives you a fifth pl- all the stuff you need for a fifth player. So if I, I would ha- say if you if I don't you don't have, have a fifth player, go to the sixty nine dollar route. Really? What about all that cool stuff I'm not going to get? Unless you really want, unless you really want the plastic. See, I'm one of those people that can live without the plastic. I'm different though. I think most gamers really want the extra plastic stuff. So if so I if you want it, if I don't get, get the, if the plastic ships, what do I get instead? Are they just little cardboard counters? Yeah, they're cardboard. They're cardboard punch out tokens. Yeah. Oh no no no! We're going with the. I'm doing it right now. We're going with the ninety nine dollar. Um, I gotta have the plastic. Um, I'm the type of thing. I was playing a game the other day with uh, my uh, soon to be wife. I'm getting married, and uh, she said, "Well, how much does this game cost?" I said, "Well, when I bought it new, it was four hundred dollars." And she about dropped the pieces, which would not have been good. It was the Settlers of Catan 3D anniversary, 10th anniversary edition. And so she's like, holy cow, I can't believe you paid that much for a game. So then I went on eBay, and I think a new copy was selling for $1,500. She didn't want, she didn't want to play anymore. <laughs> so that's me. Right. It was too expensive. Yeah. It was too expensive. Yeah. No, you still just, have that? You still have that? Oh, absolutely. Whenever we play Settlers game. of Catan. Once you play with that version of Settlers of Catan, you can't go back. Uh, Ticket to Ride. I'll tell you the story because we don't have a whole lot of time. You've been very generous with your time, but Ticket to Ride, um, we just started dating several years ago. I was in a game. I took her to a game store for the very first time, walked by the anniversary edition of Ticket to Ride, and I just casually said, you know, I'd love to have that someday. But I couldn't justify because I owned all the Ticket to Ride. I couldn't justify spending 100 bucks on another copy of a game I already owned. Right. So unbeknownst to me, we walked away. She, not knowing anything about the game industry at the time, she does now, she's uh, much more extensive and she beats me regularly at any game we play, but at the time she didn't know anything. She goes back to the game store a couple of months later and she walks in by herself and says, look, I need to buy a game for my boyfriend. All right. What's the game? I don't know. What's it called? (laughs) I don't know. What's it about? I don't know. And they're like, okay. She said, but you had it sitting over there on display about three months ago. It's about this big, and it cost $100, and it was black. And so they were like, okay, what about this? What about that? So they worked with her, and they got her. They brought a game to her and said, is this it? And she says, I don't know. I don't know. It, it matches. It's black, and it's 100 bucks, and it's a big square box. Yeah, but I don't know if it's the right game. 
So I've got this package sitting under the Christmas tree, and I'm pretty good at guessing, guessing Christmas gifts. So I shake it, and I'm, I hear this noise. I said, whatever's in here is wrapped with dog food in, in Ziploc bags. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, what? And I open it up. And sure enough, there's all these bags of dog food in Ziploc bags that she used to hide it. And it was Ticket to Ride. And I was shocked. And she said, is it the right game? And I'm like, yeah, it's the right game. Robert, now, to tell the story, now we go to that same game store. We walk in and the manager's like, Stephanie, how's it going? You know, what's going on? She's like, great. Hey, you got any more clear Dragon Shield uh, card sleeves? Because I ran out from my other game and I don't like this new version. And so this is her, I just walk away because I'm like, oh my gosh, that's, that's, she now lives in this. And they are all excited. If I show up, they're like, hey, where's your wife? I'm like, yeah, yeah. She, she couldn't make it. So there you go. There's my story yeah. of. Yeah, I know how that is too. My wife is more loved than me, but that's, that's okay. But in the game industry, I'm like, wait, <laughs> that's where I live. So it's been good. Especially in the game industry. In the game industry. <laughs> So we are out of time. Robert, do you have some time uh, to stick around for just a few minutes as we record some content for Patreon? Yeah, of course. Absolutely, Richard. It's been great. It's great to talk to you again. I'm so glad you're doing these shows again. Very excited about it. I appreciate that. You have been on the show many times and, and supporting of it. And the amount of love and outreach that I've received from so many people has been great. And so thank you for being on the show. And then we'll, we'll, we'll catch up here just after the show's over. All right. You've been listening to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter. My guest has been Robert Burke from Robert Burke Games. His, his Kickstarter project, The Silver River, is running live on Kickstarter now as a 4X game. I just backed it. You heard that go live here as I was on the show. And then I have the opportunity of, of sitting down and chatting with him. If you'd like to see this video, because this uh, episode has been recorded in video, you can go ahead and become a Patreon backer and take a look at that. Also, if you'd like to join us in the conversation, you can find us on our Facebook group, Funding the Dream on Kickstarter Facebook group where we can have a conversation. Thanks for listening. Take care.